With Hashem's assistance, we learn about Bakama Daf Tzadik Zayim, page 97. So the last thing that we were speaking about was Rav's statement. Rav had said that we hold like Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir had said that in regards to a slave, if let's say someone steals a slave, the slave gets old or gets weak. So the person who stole it can say to the person we stole it from, take the slave as is. And we explained that the concept is because just like karka, just like a piece of land, you can't steal a piece of land, you also can't steal a slave. So therefore it can't transfer into your possession, and therefore it still belongs to the original person. And the thief can say to the person he stole it from, take your slave as is, I'm not going to pay the original value it was worth before when I stole it. Now the Gemara challenges, and we are Rav Avdekim Is it true that Rav says that a slave is considered in a certain sense like a piece of land? We find that Rav Daniel Bar Rav Katina says the name of Rav as follows: If somebody steals the slave of his friend and he uses him for some kind of work, there's an obligation for the person who grabbed that slave to pay for the work that was done to the owner of the slave. And if it would be true that a slave is considered like a piece of land, my potter. Why is there an obligation? It still remained in the ownership of the of the master. Meaning, if let's say it didn't remain in the ownership of the master, but rather it transfers into the possession of the person who steals the slave, then we could understand why indeed he doesn't have to pay for the time that he uses him. Why? Because when he originally stole him, he transferred into his possession. Now he's using his own slave. And what does he have to give back to the person, the master of the slave? He has to give back the slave that he stole. That's it. But now that we're saying that it's considered that it's still in the ownership of the original owner, so why doesn't he have to pay him for this, for this work that he's doing with this guy's slave? So our answer is, what are we talking about over here? That this slave was not working right now for his master. And therefore, since he wasn't working for his master, so the master didn't lose out anything, and this person benefited from him, but he doesn't have to pay for that. Like the following case that was sent by Rabbi Abba to Mari Barmar, that the question had been asked of Hunas follows. This is a that we had earlier on Tavchaf Aleph, page 21, that if someone lives in someone else's house without him, his awareness, the question was, does he have to pay for that or not? I benefited, but you didn't even know that I was there. And the answer had been that he doesn't have to pay for him. Because if I benefit from you and you're not even aware of it, it's not necessary for me to pay. So here too, in regards to the slave, where I'm benefiting from your slave, and you weren't using it at the time, so I don't have to pay for that. So the says, hold on a second. How can you compare it? In regards to a house, you have two different reasons why we would say that a person would prefer that someone actually be in his house when he's not there. One is because a person likes it that his house is lived in, because the people take care of it. So then he's happy. He's also happy, according to a different person, because then the demons don't come to destroy the house. Why would a person be happy if you were using my slave when I'm not using him? What are you gonna you're gonna make my slave run down? Amri, so we say no. Actually, there is a reason why someone would prefer that someone else use his slave. That this way the slave doesn't get used to being lazy. So therefore that's why he doesn't have to pay for the usage of this other guy's slave that he grabbed. In the house of Yosef Bachama, Abu Takif Avdi the Inchi the Masib Uzuzi, so they would grab slaves of people who owed them money, Avdi Bumulacha, and they would use them to work for them. Amrle Rava Bure, so Rava's son said to him like this, My time Avid Marhachi, Abba, why are you doing this? You shouldn't be stealing these people's slaves, it's not right. Amrle Dhamma Rav Nachman, so he says like this, Rav Nachman said, Avda Nahim Kresil Shavi, that a slave is not worth the food in its stomach, meaning these slaves are not worth too much of their masters, so I'm not really taking away anything from the masters. Amrle, so he said back to him, Amad Amr Rav Nachman, when did Rav Nachman say that a slave is so lazy it's not worth the bread in his stomach? Could go in Daru Avde, like his slave whose name was Daru, to Marki Bekuvi, 
that all he would do is dance around in the public market. Kula Adim Avid Avdi, but most slaves, they indeed do work properly for their masters. So how can you take him? Amrle, I not care of Daniel severely. He said, I hold like a Daniel. Damar of Daniel by Rav Katina, that Daniel by Rav Katina said, I'm Rav in the name of Rav. Somebody grabs the slave of his friend and uses it for work. There's an obligation. We can deduce that the person whose slave it is is happy with that. That his slave shouldn't be lazy. So his son says to him, That's only when the person whose slave is being taken doesn't owe you money. But you, my father, since you're owed money by that person, by taking his slave, it looks like you're taking interest. Because Rav Yosef said, even though it was said that if you use your friend's house without his permission, without his knowledge, you don't have to pay for it. If you lend money to the person who you're using his house, you still have to pay him. Why? Because this way, otherwise it looks like interest. So you have to make sure it doesn't look like interest. He says, you're right, and I'm not going to do it anymore. Itmar was stated, If someone grabs the ship of his friend, he uses it for some purpose. Rav says, If he wants, he can take the value that he usually rents it out for. If he wants, he can take whatever's gone down in value. Rashi explains that the value that has gone down usually is higher than the amount he usually takes for renting it. All he can take is the value that has gone down. There's no option to take the the rental value. And we're going to see what the difference is very soon. So the Gemara says like this, Amar Papa, like Pligi, Papa says, Actually, they're not arguing at all. It depends if this is a shit that's usually rented out or not. If it's a shit that's usually rented out, so when the person, we assume, that when the person steals it, so he doesn't mean to steal it, he actually means to pay whatever the rental value is. And therefore, if they're arguing about, says Rashi, if they're arguing about whether or not how much the value has gone down, whatever it is, so everyone agrees that the ship owner can get the value that it's usually rented out for. But if it's not something that's usually rented out, so then he doesn't have that option. And whatever they, they argue about, that has to be brought to court. Viva is another possibility. That really could be that both Rav and Shmuel are talking about a case where it's usually rented out. And it depends if the person who's going and using it, if he intends to actually pay the rental value, so then they have that option. But if his intention was when he took it and used it that he meant to steal it, so then there's no options. He has to pay the value that it's gone down, which is a greater amount than the value of how much it usually costs to rent. We continue. It says in the Mishnah that if someone steals a coin and gets cracked, so we said that it's considered that it was changed, and therefore the person who stole it has to give back based on the original value, because it's considered the transferred into his possession. Amar Rufuna, Rufuna says nistak nistak mamish. When we talk about the case of cracked, it means it literally got cracked. Nifsal, when it says in the Mishnah that the coin it was no longer in use, and we said so that's not considered a change that's visible, and therefore you give him back as is. Pasata machus, it's talking about where it was completely taken out of use. You can't use it here. You can't use it anywhere. Rav Yehuda, Amar Rav Yehuda says pasata machus. Rabbi Yehuda says, actually, if it's no longer in use at all, then it's more comparable to where it got cracked, meaning it's considered that the thing itself has changed, and therefore he has to pay him like the original value. So, so what is considered the case where it hasn't been changed, but nevertheless it can't be used completely? That in this country you can't use this money anymore, this currency doesn't work, but in a different country it will work. 
Now, Amr Lei Rav Chizda Lei Rav Huna. So Rav Chizda says to Rav Huna, according to you, the Amr Snifsal Pasalto Malchus, that when it says in the Mishnah that you can return it as is. Why? Because it no longer is in use. It means it's completely out of use. Hare Peres Rekivu, Viyayim Vehechmitz. We said in the Mishnah in a case where you have fruits that became rotten, or you have wine that turned to vinegar. That it's similar to the case where it's no longer in use. The coin has been taken out of currency completely. Why? Because both of these cases, it's completely unusable. So in regards to the fruits that became rotten and the wine that became vinegar, it says that you pay like the original value is considered completely changed. So how could you, Rav Huna, be saying that where it's completely changed in that it can't be used at all the currency, how can you say that you can return it as is? So he explains like this. In the case of the fruits and the wine that became ruined, so the smell and the taste has changed. But here, you can't see anything intrinsically that's changed. While it's true, if you look around, you go to the stores, no one's taking these coins anymore, so by comparison, you can figure out that this coin is completely puzzle, it's no longer a good currency. Nevertheless, intrinsically, you can't see anything. Therefore, you can just return it to him as is. I'm really Rav of Yehuda, so now Rav says to Rav Yehuda, You said that if it's taken out of currency completely, then it's more comparable to a case where the coin has been cracked, and therefore you, have to, you can't give it back as is. Hare Trum of Nitmes, what about the case where you have truma, which is something that's supposed to be eaten by a coin? No, it can no longer be eaten by him because it became impure. It's something that intrinsically you can't see the difference, and so it's comparable to a case where the currency was made unusable. Nevertheless, in regards to this truma, in regards to this thing that became impure, you can say to him, take it as is. So how can you say that it's comparable to a case of nisla completely cracked? There's a difference, because in regards to the truma, even if you compare it to something else. Nevertheless, you're not going to be able to tell the difference and see that this thing is impure. In regards to a coin, it's it's minkar. It's clear. Why? Because if you walk around to the stores, this coin is not being taken anymore. So by comparison, you can see that this coin is no good. So therefore, in regards to the coin, so you can't say, take it as is. You have to return the original values. Consider that it was changed. However, in regards to the truma, the coins thing that became impure, so you can't see it intrinsically nor extrinsically. So therefore, since you can't see a change, there is no significant change. And therefore, you can say to him, Take it as is the person that it was stolen from. Itmar, we stated in a memory, If let's say I lend you merchandise, and I say to you, pay me back instead of the merchandise, I want you to give me back $100. But then what happens, where we live in Israel, so the dollars have gone out of style. So what happens? Do you have to, can you pay me back in dollars, or do you have to give me something else? Rav, Omar, so Rav says, on to Zion on my base, page 97b, Rav says, If all that's accepted in Israel now are euros, so you have to give him whatever money works now. Shmuel, Shmuel says, no. Shmuel says, you can take, you can give him the dollars and say to him, go to America and spend the dollars. Omar, Rav Nachman says, So, Rav Nachman says that it makes sense, Shmuel's statement, that he can give him dollars and tell him to go to America, only if he plans to go to America. But he doesn't plan to go there, so then you can't just give him that. He has to give him whatever currency works in this place. Rav asks Rav Nachman a question from the following Brisa, which is stated in regards to Meister Shani. Meister Shani is the second tithe, and what happens with the second tithe is one is required to take the second tithe and bring it to Jerusalem, and either if we're talking about fruits, you have to eat the fruits in Jerusalem, or you have to transfer the, the holiness of the fruits onto some money and spend that money in Jerusalem. Now, it's said in the Brisa that if you're transferring the holiness onto money, so you can't transfer that holiness onto money, that's not a good currency. Kate said, what's the case? Let's say someone has 
money resources. It's a kind of currency that's a Jerusalemite currency that wasn't used anymore. Or the currency that was used by the original kings, the previous kings in, in Israel. So since that currency is no longer used, you can't transfer the holiness onto that currency. So the indication is, if let's say you have later kings, the later kings' currency, and that in a certain sense is similar to the original kings, meaning it's not used in this place, but it is used in a different place, which is similar to what uh, Rav Nachman was talking about. The indication is that you would be able to use such a currency to transfer the holiness onto that currency. So it seems that even if the currency can't be used in this place, and even if you're not planning to go to the place where it is used, nevertheless it's considered a good currency, both in regards to this, and in regards to transferring the holiness onto it, and it would also by extension apply to what Rav Nachman was talking about, it would be question on him, because he was saying that if the money can't be used in this place, and you're not going to the place where it can be used, then you can't give him that money. So it's a question on him. So he says like this, Why is it considered a good currency in regards to transferring the holiness? We're talking about a case where the countries, so if they catch you with money from a different country, they're not going to take away the money, they're not going to confiscate the money. And therefore, even though the money can't be used in this place, theoretically, since no one's going to take it away, you could get it eventually, either you could get it there yourself, or you could give it to somebody who's from that country, and thereby transfer the money and, and, get, and get the value. So it's considered a good currency, even though you can't use it here, it can be transferred. But when Shmuel said that you can't give him the money here unless he's planning to go to a different place, because it's talking about a place where they, if they catch you with this money, then they're going to take away the money, they're going to confiscate it, so you're not going to be able to get it to that place. So Shmuel says, hold on a second. Indeed, Shmuel is talking about a case where if they catch you with this currency, they're going to take it away from you. So, so he had stated two things. He said that if you're not planning to go there, so I can't give you the money. But if you are planning to go there, then I can give you the money. How can I give you the money if you're planning to go there? If the country that you're in is mine, if they catch you with the money, they're going to take it away. What's going on? What is Shmuel saying? Shmuel so answers, we're going to skip a few words because the Bach takes it out. Delay Bachshi. The place is a place that they're not checking for this money. If they catch you with it, they'll take it away. But they're not like searching for this money and if they find you with this money from this foreign country, they're going to take it away. So therefore, if you're not planning to go there, so it's better that you don't give it to him. You have to give him currency that works in this country. And if you are planning to go there, so then there is a way to get it there. They're not going to take it away unless they catch you with it. And the case of the Brisa, where we said that you can do it even if you're not planning to go there, so that's talking about a place where they don't they don't care at all if they catch you with the money. Therefore, you could even transfer it with someone else who's, let's say, from that country. And so therefore, there is some kind of value to it here, even though you can't actually use the money here. Tashima. I'm going to bring you a different place where we seem to see not like what we've said. You can't transfer the holiness onto money from Israel if the money is in Babylonia. Meaning if it's in a place where the money can't actually be used, even if it can be used here in, in Israel, you can't transfer it onto, you can't transfer the holiness onto it. Let's say a Babylonian money and you're in Israel. Since it can't be used in Israel, so therefore you can't transfer it onto, you can't transfer the holiness onto a currency that can't be used in that place. But if you have Babylonian money in Babylonia, so then you can transfer the holiness onto that currency since it's a good currency in that place. In any event, it says here, If you have money, which is from Israel, and it's in Babylonia, even though you're planning to go from Babylonia to Israel, and you're going to spend the money in Israel, you still can't transfer the holiness onto that money. So again, this is a question of Rav Nachman, because he had explained Shmuel, that if you're planning to go to a place where the currency works, even if it doesn't work here, it's considered currency. So what's going on? 
What are we speaking about over here? Why is it not considered a good currency in regards to transferring the holiness onto it? We're talking about a case where the Israelis and the Babylonians, so if they catch you with the money of the other country, so they're gonna, they're gonna take it away, they're gonna confiscate it, or they're, they're even looking out for it. And therefore, it's not considered currency at all. You can't transfer it, you can't transfer the holiness onto it if it's in the wrong place. So, if you, let's say you have Babylonian money, in Babylonia, what does it help you to transfer the, the holiness onto the money on the Babylonian money, you're going to bring the Babylonian money into Israel, they're not going to let you use the money. So Gemara says, Chazu, it is going to help you, because you can actually transfer the holiness onto the money, then you can take the money and buy with that money an animal in Babylonia, and then bring the animal to Jerusalem. Like Mar says, hold on a second. They said that all money could be used in Jerusalem since all these people are coming from all different countries, all different places to come to Jerusalem to bring their Maiser Shani, the special tithe to spend it in Jerusalem. So they said that all money can be used in Jerusalem. So how can you tell me that we're talking about a case where that in Israel they're makbid, they're, they're careful if they catch you with some other money, Babylonian money, they're going to take it away. It doesn't make sense. It's not true. On Reb Zera, so Reb Zera says, like it's not a problem. It depends if we're talking about a time when the Jewish people are in charge or the nations of the world are in charge. Meaning, when the Jewish people are in charge of Jerusalem and, and they say what works in Jerusalem, so then the Jewish people are going to say, we want all of the different currencies to work in Jerusalem. However, when the nations of the world are in charge and they're the ones deciding what currency works, so they are going to say that in fact you can't use Babylonian money, let's say, in Jerusalem. What's the coinage of Jerusalem? On one side it says David and Solomon. And on the other side it says Jerusalem, the holy city. What was the coinage of Abraham? On one side it said an elder man, an elder woman. On the other side it said a young man, a young woman. The Rav asks the following question of Rav If someone lends someone else merchandise and says, I want you to pay me back a certain coinage. And then they actually made the coins larger. Mahu, what's going to be the halacha? And as Arshi explains that this question is according to Rav, who had said previously that you have to give back based on whatever the current coinage is, based on the original agreement, even if the coin that lost its value. So what's going to be in this case where the coin is actually made larger? On um, Rav he says, You actually have to give the coinage based on the current value, meaning even the larger coin. Um, even if they made it as big as a sieve, um, in, he says to him, yes. Um, even if it's as big as a large rock, um, in, he says to him, yes. So asks the Gemara, if you look at how much this coin can buy as, as regards to the fruits, so the fruits have gone down in value. So basically what's going to end up is that originally he gave him a certain amount of fruits, expecting a certain amount of money, and he's getting more. So it's coming out, this going to be ribbed as a problem of interest. Um, Ravashi, so Ravashi says, hold on, if indeed it's because the coin itself has has gone up in value, has gotten larger, so then in fact, to prevent the interest, so you, you take less money back. But if the reason that you can buy more fruits with the money is because the fruits themselves have gone down in value, so then he has to give him the original agreed-upon price. Sigmar says, wait, in any event, you're giving him more coinage than you were originally agreed upon, so it still should be a problem of interest. So it must be like the following story of Rav Papa and Rav Huna, of Yeshua, of the Uvda, they did a story, where they took the coinage, they had an old coin and a new coin, they went to this certain person called Agardemis, who was a, an Arab merchant, and they saw, they were able to compare, he had the old coin and the new coin, and they compared the new coin to the old coin. 
coin and they were able to see that 8 of the new coin, which was larger, was equal to 10 of the old coin. So all they made him pay was 8 of the new coin. So therefore we see that when the coinage has become enlarged, so you go based on the original value of the coins and you don't give more because that would be a problem of interest.